When it comes to the different things that we do in life, you can categorize them into three types of things that we do. First type of actions are those which are wajib, those which are an obligation on us. Because either Allah has commanded us to do that, or because we have promised someone we are going to do it. So it is an obligation on us to do it. The second type of actions that we do are mustahab, meaning it's preferred, it's good if we do it. Because it has a lot of reward, and we have the opportunity, we can do it. And the third type of actions are those which are mubah, meaning you do them or you don't do them, no big deal, it's up to you. Now with regards to actions that are wajib, what happens to those? They always take priority. They always take priority. No matter what's happening, you have to stop whatever you're doing and you're going to do that which is wajib on you. So for example, when it comes to your class, is it wajib? How? Because we have made a commitment. So when we have made a commitment that we're going to come to this class, then what happens? This takes priority. Unless obviously there's something like sickness or something major that is preventing you. Secondly, actions that are mustahab. It's preferable if you do it. So does that take priority? Yes, whenever you are able to. It does take priority, but whenever you're able to. But if you have two things, mustahab and wajib, then what are you supposed to do? Wajib. So for example, you have the opportunity to go to your friend's house or to come to class. What should you do? Come to your class. Okay? When it comes to mubah, then what? You do it if you want to. And if you don't do it, if you don't want to. But again, if there's a wajib in contrast to it, then what do you do? Do the wajib and not the mubah. So now we understand this rule? Yes. If an action is wajib and we don't do it, are we held accountable for it? Yes, we are. Because we have given our word... So it's like an amana, it's like a promise. And if we break that promise, if we fall short in fulfilling it, are we not held accountable? Yes, we are. Similarly, salah, performing the prayer, is it wajib on us? Yes. If we don't pray, are we held accountable? Yes, we are. Okay, let's begin our lesson. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem, bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Ayah number 121. Alladheena atainahumul kitaba. Those people to whom we have given the book, what do they do? Yatlunahu, they recite it, Hakkatilawatihi, as is the right of reciting it. They recite it as it should be recited. And such people, Ulaika, those are the ones who Yu'minunabihi. They actually believe in the book. Wamayakfur bihi and whoever denies it, whoever denies the book, Fa Ulaika Humul Khasirun then it is those people who are the losers. In this verse we learn that there are some people who recite the book and there are others who don't. Those people who recite the book as it should be recited, what does Allah say about them? That those are the ones who actually believe in the book. And as for those who reject it, those who refuse it, what's their end? Khusran, failure, complete loss in this world as well as in the hereafter. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمْ آتَيْنَا is from the root letters Hamza Taya. Ata is to give. What does it mean? To give something. So آتَيْنَا We gave. Meaning Allah has given. Allah has given to whom them. What did He give them? Al-Kitab. What is Al-Kitab referring to? The revealed scripture. The scripture, the book that Allah has revealed. What are the different books that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed? The Torah, the Injil, the Zabur, the Qur'an, and perhaps others as well that we do not know of. 
So Al-Kitab over here refers to all of the books that Allah has revealed. Any book that Allah has revealed. So the book which Allah has given to the people, there are some people who, يَتْلُونَهُ They recite it. How do they recite it? حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ As it should be recited. يَتْلُونَهُ is from the root letters. تَا لَامْ وَاو تَا لَامْ وَاو تِلْو or تَلْو Literally is to follow. What does it mean? To follow. From the same root is the word tilawah. And what does tilawah mean? Recitation. What's the connection between recitation and following? The recitation of the scripture, the recitation of the revealed book, for that type of recitation, the word tilawah is used. Why? Because in this recitation, every letter, every word is joined with the next. Every letter, every word is joined with the next. So for example, when we recite the Qur'an, how do we recite it? We connect all the letters, we connect all the words together. That's why you have to take a big breath before you start reciting a part of an ayah or an entire ayah. Then another connection between following and recitation is that the recitation of the scripture is very different from the reading of other books. How? When it comes to the recitation of the scripture, are you just to read it and forget about it and not do anything about it? No, whatever you read, whatever you come to know, you are obligated to observe it. You are obligated to follow it. Follow it up with what? With action. But when it comes to other books, you can read them and you can disagree with them. You can read them and you may forget them. It's okay, no big deal. You won't be held accountable. You can read them and you can not do anything about it. But when it comes to the book of Allah, the religion that Allah has revealed then when you read it, then you have to follow it up. Follow it up with what? With your action. And you can never follow what you read with action unless and until you understand it. So tilawa recitation, what kind of recitation is it then? Correct recitation, proper recitation of the words, properly reading, meaning understanding the words, and thirdly, following it up by action as well. So yatlunahu, they recite it, they recite the scripture. How do they recite it? Haqqa tilawatihi. Haqq. What does haqq mean? Right. Correct. So as the book should be recited, as it should be read, Allah says, Ulaika yu'minuna bi. Those are the ones who actually believe in it. Who truly believe in the book? Who are the ones who truly believe in the book? Whose iman in the book is right? Who are those people? They are the ones who read the book as it should be read. When it comes to the tilawa of the book, there are three things in it. First of all, this includes tilawa to lafz, the recitation of the words. So if a person studies the meaning of the book but never recites the Qur'an, does not recite the words of the Qur'an, is he doing haqqa tilawatihi? No. The first thing is what? Tilawa to lafz. Reciting the words of the book. And that is done how? By reciting the book correctly. Reciting the verses correctly. How can you recite correctly? When can you do that? If you don't know how to read Arabic? Can you recite the Quran correctly then? No. If you don't know about the rules of the Dweeb at all, can you recite the book correctly? No, you can't. So in order to do tilawatul lafz correctly, what is important for us to know? We must learn the correct pronunciation, the makharij, as well as the dweet, the rules of the recitation. 
And this is the reason why we have the recitation class. Where we are making you read the words, pronounce them with your own mouths, right? Say them out. Listen to yourself, listen to those around you. Because you have to recite the book. That's the first right. So tilawatul lafz. Secondly is tilawatul ma'na. The reading of the meaning. What does it mean by that? Meaning knowing, understanding the meaning of the words as well. Not that a person is reciting and memorizing, but he has absolutely no idea as to what he is reading. Would you ever read a text and you have no idea about what it means? If a person did that, wouldn't you laugh at them? For example, there's a person and they don't know anything about English and they're trying to connect all the letters together and they're trying to pronounce the words all broken up and they have no idea about what they're reading. What would you do when you see them? Would you have a good laugh at them? Many times we would, unfortunately. But if you think about it, we do the same thing with the book of Allah. We read the verses, we read the surahs, but do we know the meaning? Do we understand it? Not always. So, حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ The second thing that is included in this is knowing the meaning. When a person is reciting, he keeps the meaning in mind. He thinks about, he reflects on what he is reading. He must understand what he is reading. So this is what? The tafsir. The explanation of the verses. And this means that when a text of the Qur'an is understood, it is understood correctly. It is understood correctly in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meant it. Many times people will say, well there are so many interpretations of the Qur'an out there, how do you know the one that you're studying is right? Have you heard that? Many people have asked me this question. Many people. How do you know that the tafsir that you are studying is right? Because there are so many other interpretations out there. How do we know? Do you have any answer to that objection? That we look at the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. We look at the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. How did he explain the Qur'an? How did he act on the Qur'an? How did he tell the sahaba to act on the Qur'an? So that is the way that we interpret the Qur'an. Any other way? That we can determine the correct interpretation of the text of the Qur'an. What's the best way of understanding any text? You understand the words of the text in the language that it is in. You always look at the words, what they mean, you put the words together, and then you understand what the sentence means. And whatever text it is, the beginning, the ending has to be coherent. And you connect parts of it with other parts, you put all of it together, and that is how you understand it correctly. So similarly, the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed the Qur'an in what language? In the Arabic language. Allah says, بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيٍ mubin." In clear Arabic language, this is what the Qur'an has been revealed in. So if a person even looks at the Arabic text of the Qur'an and understands it in Arabic, looking at the correct meanings, looking at the context, the meaning will be clear. This is how Allah has preserved the meaning of His book. So the second thing, which is in Haqqatilawati, is understanding the Qur'an, the verses correctly. And how will that be done? By the correct tafsir. And how is correct tafsir done? That you look at the Arabic text. You look at the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. You explain parts of the Qur'an with other parts. Alright? The third thing that is included in Haqqatilawatihi is Tilawatul Hukm. Following the hukm, the command. Which command? The command that you read in the text. So in other words, ittiba, Following what you read. Because the first step is reading. 
The second step is understanding. And the third step is what? That whatever you have understood, you practice it. For example, you read in the Qur'an about أَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ وَارْكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ وَالصَّلَاةَ We learn about many commands in the Qur'an, many statements. We are supposed to act on it. So the third thing is tilawatul hukum, Following the commands as well. So in other words, ittiba'ah. And this includes following the commands. Secondly, this includes staying away from the prohibitions. And thirdly, this includes confirming the news that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given in the Qur'an as well. Believing in that. So if Allah tells us about the coming of the Day of Judgment, it's news, right? Do we believe in that? Do we affirm its truthfulness? Yes, we must. So, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ Those people to whom we have given the book, what do they do? يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ They recite it as it should be recited. They recite it in the correct way. تِلَاوَةُ اللَّفْظِ تِلَاوَةُ الْمَعْنَى And تِلَاوَةُ hukum. Such people who give the right of the recitation of the Qur'an, Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ bi. Those are the ones who actually believe in it. Those are the ones whose belief in the book is correct. There are many people who claim to believe in the book of Allah. For example, the Bani Israel, what did they claim? That they believed in the Torah. The Torah was a book of Allah which had been revealed to them. But how did they read the words of the book? Did they read them properly? We learned earlier, يُحَرِّفُونَ kalim. They used to distort the words. They used to distort the meanings. So they did not do tilawatul laf, they did not do tilawatul ma'na, and they did not do tilawatul hukum either. So such people, even if they claim that they believe in the book, are they truly believers in the book? No. Such people are not believers in the book. Who are those people who actually truly believe in the book? Those who recite it as it should be recited. So similarly, if we as Muslims, we claim to love the Qur'an, we claim to believe in the Qur'an, but if we don't bother to recite it, if we don't bother to understand what it says, and if we don't follow it, then what kind of belief is ours? It's deficient. It's not complete. There is a problem with it. The question is that when it comes to doing tilawa, there are three types of tilawa, right? So is there any order in which you should do it? What's the order? The first step to acting on something, doing something is what? That you have to understand it. So following the book comes after understanding the book. So tilawatul hukum comes after tilawatul ma'na. In order to understand, what's the first step? Reading. Tilawatul lafz comes first. But if there is a person who does not know how to read the Qur'an, should they say, no, I'm not going to bother to sit in any tafsir class because unless and until I perfect my tajweed, I'm not going to understand the meaning of the book of Allah. Is this how we should be? No. We must know that all of these three things we are supposed to do. The proper way, the ideal way is to go step by step. Correct? But if a person does not get that opportunity, then what should they do? Seize whatever comes their way. Seize whatever comes your way. So if you have the opportunity to come sit in the tafsir class and understand the meaning of the Qur'an, should you not do that? Yes, you should. But does it mean that you neglect learning how to recite the Qur'an? No, you can't do that. Both you have to do. In fact, all three we have to do. We have to take all three alongside. We cannot disregard one for another. No, all three are necessary. Only then it will be حَقَّتِلَاوَتِهِ so, أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ Those are the ones who believe in the book. وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِهِ And as for those who disbelieve in it. 
yakfur, kufr, rejection. Those who disbelieve in the book, those who deny it, who don't follow it, who don't recite it, who don't bother to understand it, then what is their fate? فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Then it is those who are indeed the losers. Al-Khasirun is the plural of khasir. And khasir from khasin ra, khusran. And khusran is to suffer loss. It's the opposite of ribh. Ribh is to gain profit. And khusran is to suffer loss. So فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ It's not that they will end up with no reward. No, they will end up with loss. فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Let's listen to the recitation. Al-Ladheena Aatainahum Al-Kitab Yatloonahu Haqqa Tilawatihi Ulaika Yuminuna Bih Waman Yakfur Bihi Faulaika Hum Al-Khasiroon What do we learn from this verse? What lesson have you learned for yourself? The favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on us that not only did He give us the book, but He also told us what we are supposed to do with the book. That we are supposed to give the haqq of the book. Haqqa tilawatihi. So Allah did not leave us just with the book, not telling us what to do, but also encouraging us, guiding us as to what we should do with the book of Allah. One of the things that we learn from this verse is the great favor of Allah upon the one to whom Allah has given the book. Allah says over here, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابِ Those people to whom we have given the book. Many people are given many blessings by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But not everyone is given the blessing of the book of Allah. Think about it. Aren't there so many people who are around you? Muslim or non-Muslim? How many of them are familiar with the Qur'an? How many of them understand the Qur'an? To derive lessons from it in order to improve their lives. Not everybody gets that. So a person who has been given the book of Allah, he should realize that this is a huge, a huge favor of Allah. It's a gift of Allah on him. And when somebody gives you a gift, then what are you supposed to do with it? Disregard it? Discard it? Ignore it? What do you do with a gift that is given to you? You open it immediately. Many times it happens that people are taking their gifts and as they're putting them on the side, they will peek in, okay, what's inside? And as soon as people have it, they will start using it. Because they value the gift. And if the gift is something useless, then what do people do? They don't even want to look at it. They want to pretend they were never given that gift. But Allah has given us the most precious gift. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ kitab. And when we have been given this gift, we should certainly value it. Another important lesson that we learn in this verse is, that it's not necessary that a person who has been given the book, he actually truly receives it. Allah gives the book to many people, but not everybody receives the book. You see, for anything to be given to somebody, there is a two-way action that is required. One on the part of the giver, and the other on the part of the receiver. The responsibility of the giver is what? To give it. And the responsibility of the receiver is what? To receive it, to take it. If somebody parcels you, mails you a big gift, which is in a box, and it cannot fit in your mailbox, then what's going to happen? It's going to end up in the closest post office near your house. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go and collect it from the post office. Now your friend sent it. What is your responsibility? To go and pick it up. But if you don't go and pick it up, whose fault is it? 
it's your fault. You never received it. So Allah, He gives the book, He sends the book. But does everybody receive it properly? No. All people don't receive it. This is why Allah says, الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَةِ أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ In other words, those people who don't give the haqq of the tilawa, have they received the book? No. So if a person says that he believes in the Qur'an, but he does not recite it, but he does not bother to understand it, but he does not act upon it, has he received the book? He has not received it. Who has received it? The one who recites it, the one who understands it, and the one who lives by it. So we shouldn't just be proud of the fact that we have the book. No, that's not sufficient. What is necessary is the action on our part. Then only we can rejoice. Another important lesson that we learn from this verse is that iman, belief, faith has signs. A person cannot just claim that, yeah, yeah, I believe. When a person truly has belief in the heart, it will be manifested where? In his actions. There will be certain signs on him. So one of the signs are what? Of belief in the book. One of the signs is what? يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ So if a person does not do يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ Is his iman acceptable? Is his iman complete? No. Another important lesson that we learn in this verse is that any person who does not recite the book, who does not follow the book, who does not understand the book, then there is a problem with his iman. His iman will certainly be deficient. His iman will not be at the same level as the one who recites the book, who follows the book, who understands the book. There is a huge difference. Have you experienced it yourself? Before you knew Surah Al-Fatiha, was it the same as now? No. When you did not know Surah Al-Fatiha, when you prayed, it was different. And now that you know Surah Al-Fatiha, isn't your prayer different? It is different. So there is a huge difference between the one who does not give the haqq of the book and the one who gives the haqq of the book. There is a difference in their iman. Many times people say, I want to improve my iman. I want to increase my iman. I want to better my faith. How should I do it? What do we learn from this verse? What should we do? Recite the book, understand the book, act on the book, and that will certainly improve your faith. Another important lesson that we learn in this verse is that those people who don't give the haqq of the tilawah of the Qur'an, then such people suffer loss. How? One is a person who recites the book of Allah. For every letter he recites, how much reward does he get? Ten. On the other hand is a person who does not recite the book of Allah. How much reward does he get? None. Zero. Then you might say, okay, he should stay neutral. No. He will not stay neutral. He will suffer. Why? Because of his not giving the haqq of the book of Allah. Because the Prophet ﷺ said that, Al-Qur'an hujjatu laka aw alayka. This Qur'an is either an argument for you or it is an argument against you. Those who don't give the haqq of the book of Allah, they don't stay neutral. No, they suffer. The Qur'an will complain against them on the day of judgment. Even the messenger will say that my people abandoned the book. My people abandoned the Qur'an. So those who don't give the haqq of the book of Allah, they don't stay neutral. They suffer. May Allah save us all from this huge loss. الَّذِينَ آتَيْنَاهُمُ الْكِتَابَ يَتْلُونَهُ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ أُولَٰئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ 
وَمَن يَكْفُرْ بِهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ So does this ayah tell us the importance of reciting the Qur'an? There's a difference between reciting the Qur'an and studying the Qur'an. What you're doing right now is what? Studying the Qur'an. What is reciting the Qur'an? That for example, you sit down, you open up the mushaf, and you start reciting the Qur'an. You start reading. Or for instance, you're standing in prayer, and what do you do? You recite the Qur'an from your memory. That is what? Reciting the Qur'an. What you're doing right now is studying the Qur'an. Many people think that if they're studying the Qur'an, then reciting the Qur'an is not as important. What do we learn? Haqqatilawati includes all three things. Recitation, understanding, as well as action. So is it necessary to recite the Qur'an? Yes, it is. Because many of us, we become lazy when it comes to reciting the Qur'an. When we have free time, we will read the news. We will check email again and again and again. We will read different, different things. The text messages that people are sending us, the different updates that people are putting up on their Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is. But when it comes to actually reciting the Qur'an, then we become lazy over there. All of a sudden we don't have time. All of a sudden we are sleepy. All of a sudden we have something very important to do. And unfortunately, we fall behind in this. This is the case of every one of us, including myself. That we can recite the Qur'an more. We can. But we become lazy unfortunately. And we have to realize the importance of reciting the Qur'an in order to start giving the haqq of the Qur'an. So right now inshallah I'm going to tell you a little bit about the importance of reciting the Qur'an. How important is it? First of all, remember that reciting the Qur'an is actually one of the rights of the Qur'an. The Qur'an has many rights. One of the first rights of the Qur'an is what? That we believe in the Qur'an. The next thing is that we read the Qur'an, we recite it. The third is that we understand it, we reflect on it. The fourth is that we act on it. And the fifth is that we convey it. The Qur'an has many rights. And the second one is what? That we must recite the Qur'an. We know that once the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Ad-deenu an-nasiha. Religion, this religion is what? Well-wishing. Being sincere, wanting good. So the Sahaba, they said, Liman, for who? Well-wishing towards who? The Prophet ﷺ said, Lillah, for Allah, that a person is well-wishing for Allah. Secondly, Wali Kitabihi. Thirdly, Wali Rasulihi. Fourthly, Wali Aimmatil Muslimin. And fifth, Wa'ammatihim. Aimma are the leaders of the Muslims, and Amma are the masses, meaning the Muslims in general. What do we learn in this hadith? The Prophet ﷺ said that. Religion is what? Well-wishing. Well-wishing towards who? The book of Allah. What is well-wishing to the book of Allah? Wanting good for the book of Allah. When you want good for something, for someone, you are attached to it. You like it. You love it. Tell me, how can you ever develop attachment with the book of Allah if you don't read it? There's a huge difference between us common people and those people who memorize the Qur'an. Those people who memorize the Qur'an. You see them with the Qur'an. They're attached to the Qur'an. So we can never develop this attachment unless and until we start reciting the book of Allah. And only then can we do amal on this hadith. Secondly, we learned that reciting the Qur'an is a very profitable trade. 
We know that every action, every word of ours in this world carries value. How? That on the day of judgment, our actions, our statements, our intentions, everything is going to be viewed, is going to be checked. And for them, we are going to be recompensed. If it's good, we will be rewarded. If they're bad, then we will be held accountable for them. And if it's good, then how will Allah reward it? Many, many times, multiple times. So when it comes to recitation of the book of Allah, this is a very, very profitable trade. We learn in the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Fatir, Ayah 29-30, that إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ Indeed, those people who recite the book of Allah, the first characteristic is what? They recite it, they read it. They do its tilawa. وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ And they establish the salah. وَأَنْفَقُوا مِمَّا رَزَقْنَاهُمْ سِرًّا وَعَلَانِيَةً And they spend out of what we have given them secretly and openly. يَرْجُونَ تِجَارَةً لَن تَبُورُ They are looking forward, they are expecting for a trade, meaning a result, reward, a profit with Allah. لَن تَبُورُ That will never ever perish. Meaning that profit, that reward is guaranteed for them. لِيُوَفِّيَهُمْ أُجُورَهُمْ Allah will recompense them in full. Their rewards, Allah will give them in full. وَيَزِيدَهُمْ in فَضْلِ And Allah will multiply their reward. He will increase their reward out of His bounty. إِنَّهُ غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ Indeed, He is forgiving and He is grateful. So what do we learn in this verse? What's the benefit of reciting the book of Allah? That the reward is guaranteed insha'Allah. The reward is many times more. يَزِيدَهُمْ in فَضْلِ And look at the names of Allah that are mentioned over here. غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ Ghafoor, that Allah will forgive. Shakur, that He will appreciate, He will reward abundantly for the good deeds of a person. Thirdly, we must recite the Qur'an because we must aspire to be the best believer. In a hadith, we learned the Prophet said that the example of a believer who recites the Qur'an and acts on it. What does he do? Recites the Qur'an and he also acts on it. His example is like an orange. That tastes good and it also smells nice. It tastes very good, it's very pleasant and at the same time it's also very fragrant. Then the example of a believer who does not recite the Qur'an. The example of the person who does not recite the Qur'an. But he does act on it. His example is like a date. That is sweet but it's not fragrant. Is there a difference between a date and an orange? There's a huge difference. A date is only sweet, but it's not fragrant. It doesn't look that beautiful. When you look at an orange, it's bright, it's attractive, it's fresh, it's fragrant. And the example of the hypocrite who recites the Qur'an, but he does not act on it properly, because he's a hypocrite who does read it, then his example is like what? Like basil, which smells good, but it's bitter. It smells good, however it is bitter. And the example of a hypocrite who does not even recite the Qur'an is like a colosynth. It's a particular kind of a bitter fruit. It tastes bitter and it also has a very bad smell. So where do we fall? Ask yourself, where do I fall? Am I like the colosynth? Am I like the basil? Am I like a date? Or am I like an orange? What can I compare myself with? Fourthly, We must recite the Qur'an, why? Because it is the way of the Prophet ﷺ. We have been told to follow the Prophet ﷺ. And we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite the Qur'an a lot. In the Qur'an as well. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself says, one of the characteristics of the Prophet is that Yatlu alaykum ayatina. He recites unto you our verses. The Prophet recited the Quran for the people. We know that in the month of Ramadan, the Prophet would review, he would revise the Quran. How? By reciting it. And also we learn from a hadith which is reported in At-Tabarani that once Abu Hurairah he went to the marketplace. And you can imagine the marketplace, all the people are buying, selling, having fun, joking around, wasting their time. So there are people hanging out in the marketplace. So he said to them, Ya ahla suq, ma arjazakum. O people of the suq, O people of the mall, what is keeping you behind? What is keeping you behind? So they said, what's the matter Abu Hurairah? Abu Hurairah said, ذَاكَ مِغَاثِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُقْسَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ هَاهُنَا The inheritance, the legacy of the Prophet ﷺ is being distributed. And here you are, you're standing right here. Just imagine, the Prophet ﷺ's inheritance is being distributed and you all are hanging around here. Go get it. أَلَا تَذْهَبُونَ فَتَأْخُذُونَ نَصْلِيبَكُمْ فِي Will you not go and get your share of it? So the people asked him, Oh, where is it? Just imagine if we were told the Prophet ﷺ's things, his belongings are being distributed. What would we do? So similarly, the people said, Oh, where, where? And he said, In the masjid. So all the people went to the masjid. And when they went, they came back because they saw nothing being distributed. So Abu Huraira asked them, Why did you come back? They said, We didn't see anything being distributed. He said, What did you see over there? And they replied, That رَأَيْنَا قَوْمًا We saw a people who were yusalluna, who were praying salah, وَقَوْمًا and a people who were يَقْرَؤُونَ الْقُرْآنَ who were reciting the Qur'an وَقَوْمًا يَتَذَاكَرُونَ الْحَلَالَ وَالْحَرَامَ and a people who were discussing halal and haram meaning the matters of halal and haram so Abu Hurairah said وَيْحَكُمْ what to you وَيْحَكُمْ فَذَاكَ مِرَاثُ Muhammad that is a legacy of the Prophet that is his heritage that is what he left behind for you he told us to pray he told us to recite the Qur'an and he told us to know the halal and haram he told us what it was so what are you doing? You're wasting your time in the bazaar, in the mall? And there are people in the masjid, they're busy doing what? Reciting the Qur'an, benefiting from the legacy, the heritage of the Prophet ﷺ. Another important reason why we must do tilawah of the Qur'an is because it is an act of worship. It's ibadah. Just as performing the salah, is it an act of worship? Yes, it is. Going for umrah, is it an act of worship? Giving sadaqah, is it an act of worship? Similarly, when it comes to the qira'ah of the Qur'an, the tilawah of the Qur'an, even that is an act of worship. And what it means by an act of worship is that it's an action which Allah likes. Remember I told you the definition of ibadah? Ibadah is what? Those actions which Allah loves. And this is why He rewards generously for those actions. What's the reward of reciting the Qur'an? We learn in a hadith, Whoever reads one letter of the book of Allah is credited with one blessing and one blessing is equal to tenfold. Meaning it's multiplied ten times. The like thereof and its reward. The Prophet ﷺ said, I do not say that alif lam meem is one word, but rather alif is one, lam is one, and meem is one. So even when a person recites alif lam meem, what's the reward? Thirty times, multiplied by ten times, multiplied by however much Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. On the Day of Judgment, you know what we will want? The Day of Judgment is the Day of Hasra. It's the Day of Regret. When people will wish they had just a few more good deeds. Just even one more, just even ten more, even thirty more. Because every good deed matters on that day. Then how can we say, I'm busy right now. Forget it, I'll recite tomorrow. 
Let me read what's on the news. Let me read what my friend posted on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, I'll read the Qur'an later. We can't do that. We cannot do that. Because on the Day of Judgment, we're going to regret if we did not benefit from this opportunity. Another reason why we must recite the Qur'an is that because it produces love. Recitation of the Qur'an produces love in the heart. Love for who? Allah and His Messenger. The Prophet ﷺ said that man sarrahu, whoever has this wish, this secret wish in his heart, that desire deep down in his heart, that أَن يُحِبُّ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ فَلْيَقْرَأْ فِي الْمُصْحَفِ Whoever loves in his heart that he should love Allah and His Messenger, whoever has this desire deep down, then what should he do? He should recite what is in the Mus'haf, meaning he should recite the Qur'an. The recitation of the Qur'an is going to help you love the Prophet ﷺ. It's going to help you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is it important to love Allah? Is it important to love the Prophet ﷺ? Yes, it is. The Prophet ﷺ said that, لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى أَكُونَ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ مَالِهِ وَوَلَدِهِ وَالنَّاسِ أَجْمَعِينَ That none of you can truly believe until I am the most beloved to him, then what? His wealth, his children, and all mankind. From other versions of the hadith, we also learn himself. Himself. So we have to love the Prophet ﷺ. Otherwise, our iman is deficient. In order to love the Prophet, what should we do? Yes, follow his sunnah. Yes, read about his seerah. But one of the very important things that we can do is what? Recite the Qur'an. Another important reason why we must recite the Qur'an is because it is a source of peace. Many times we're human beings. We feel sad. We feel unhappy. We feel depressed. We feel angry. We feel jealous. We feel upset. Especially women. Especially women. And I can say that very confidently because I'm a woman. Every woman experiences ups and downs. Emotionally, we are very imbalanced. One woman, we're very happy, will be very nice, and the next woman will be yelling and screaming. One day, we're like the nicest person, and the next day, we're the most depressed person in this world. Because we're women. Then what is it that we should do to comfort ourselves? We do many things. We talk to people, we cry, sometimes we just start eating. Some people do that because they're upset, they'll just start eating. They don't care about the good food that they were eating and the good diet that they were following. No. I'm hungry. I don't care. I'm just going to have one chocolate bar after the other. People do that. Sometimes people sleep. They sleep the whole day. Wake up. Go away. I don't feel like getting up. I'm just upset. Why? I don't know. Why are you crying? I don't know. This is what we do. We don't know why we are sad. We don't know why we're crying. We don't know why we're yelling. We are human beings. We are women. Our hearts experience this. What does Allah say? Allah bidikri lahi tatma innul qulu. If you want to comfort your heart, if you want to feel at peace, go open the book of Allah and start reciting, and you will feel better. You will feel happy. You will feel useful. And you need to feel like that. You need to have positive feelings about yourself. Only then you'll be happy. And the only way you can do that is by reciting the Quran. Allah bidikri lahi tatma innul qulu. In another hadith we learned that the Prophet ﷺ said, there is no one who is afflicted by distress and grief. And he says, the dua, Allahumma inni abduka, ibn amatik, nasiyati biyadik, maldin fiya hukmuk, adlun fiya qada'uk. And the dua continues. And towards the end it says, an tajjal al-Qur'ana rabi'a qalbi. That, oh Allah, you make the Qur'an the life of my heart, the spring of my heart. Wa nura sadri, wa jala'a huzni, wa dhahab hammi wa ghammi. 
a person recites that, this dua, then Allah will take away his grief. So one of the ways of feeling happy is what? That we recite the Qur'an. This is the way we can feel better. Another reason is because the Qur'an is a healing. It's a cure. We learned about the marad. في قلوبهم maradun. Aren't there many diseases of the heart? There are many diseases of the heart. Some people, they are diseased with extreme love of something. Some people are diseased with extreme hate of something. To the point that it makes them imbalanced. Some people are diseased with jealousy. Some people are diseased with arrogance. Some people are diseased with riya. There are many diseases of the heart. So what's the cure? The Qur'an. Recite it. Allah says, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ وَرَحْمَةٌ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ this Qur'an, it's shifa and rahmah. But if we don't recite it, how can we get that shifa? How can we get that rahmah? We cannot. When people are sick, you know what they do? They ask somebody, just tell me what I should read. Just tell me what I should read. That's what they want from you. And if you tell them, read this word a hundred thousand times, they will do it. Read this word fifty thousand times, they will actually do it. But if you tell them, read the Qur'an, they'll say, yeah, yeah, but what else? What's the cure? Where is the cure? It's in the Qur'an. Recite the Qur'an. Recite the Qur'an. And if you feel tired, don't worry. Because this is a healing. It's a source of mercy. We also learned that when the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he would feel sick, or he would have pain, he would recite Mu'awwidatayn and he would blow them into his hands and pass his hand over that. Similarly at night time, before going to bed, he would read the Mu'awwidat and he would blow them on his hand and pass over his body. So it's a cure. Surah Al-Fatiha, we learned that once a group of companions that were traveling and they camped by a particular tribe and they asked if they could be lodged over there and they refused. They weren't hospitable to them. So they just camped outside. And then what happened was that their leader, he got bitten by a scorpion or an ant and they couldn't figure out what to do with him. They tried many things. So eventually they went to companions of the Prophet ﷺ and they said, do you know what to do? So one of them, he read Surah Al-Fatiha and he blew on him and he felt better. So those people, they gave them you know, a whole lot of sheep. And they went back to the Prophet ﷺ and they told him that this is what happened. And the Prophet ﷺ approved of what they did. So, Al-Fatiha, what is it? Al-Shifa. So you have to recite it. When we're hurting, what will we do? Pop Tylenol in our mouths, drink a glass of water, go to sleep, waste the whole day away. Or start complaining. Start writing everywhere, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. This is happening, that's happening, that's happening. What should you do? It's only going to take you 10 minutes to read Suratul Fatiha seven times. Take that time, recite it, and blow it on yourself. But I don't know why we become lazy over there. Mu'awwidatain, these are Suratul Falaq, Suratul Nas. And Mu'awwidat, Suratul Falaq, Suratul Nas, Suratul Ikhlas. Then we see that when a person recites the Quran, what he receives is better than anything else. When a person recites the Quran, what he receives is better than any gain. Listen to this hadith. The Prophet ﷺ, he once came to the companions who were sitting in the masjid, who were sitting on the sofa, and he asked, any one of you, would he like to go to the market of Bhutan or Aqiq and fetch from there two she-camels of the finest breed without committing any sin or severing any type of relationship? That he goes to the marketplace and he returns with two best camels. And he doesn't steal them from anywhere. He doesn't harm anyone. No, he gets them for free. Would anyone like that? So what happened? All the sahaba, they said, of course, every one of us would love to do that. So the Prophet ﷺ said that going to the masjid and reciting or teaching two verses of the Qur'an is more precious than two she-camels. 
three ayat are more precious than three she-camels. Four are more precious than four she-camels. You know what a she-camel means? You might say, oh camel, so what? What does it mean today? The best car that you can get. Camels are not cheap. They can get very expensive. Especially those that are of the finest breeds. They can come to thousands and thousands of dollars. And I'm not joking. You can go check it out yourself. Google it. The cost of a camel. And the higher the breed, the better the breed, the more expensive it is. Which one of us would not like that we go to the mall and we return with two cars for free? Would you like that? Of course. Would you like three? Would you like four? Would you like fifty? Yeah, why not? But you know what? Reciting the verses of the Qur'an are much better, much better than receiving these cars. Because these cars, they'll become outdated. Something or the other is going to happen to them. But the reward is eternal. Reciting the Qur'an, listening to the Qur'an, are they the same? No. When you listen to the Qur'an, you're reflecting. Okay, you get the reward of reflecting. But when you are reciting the Qur'an, then what are you doing? Reciting as well as reflecting. Double reward. It's completely different. Another reason for recitation of the Qur'an is that the reward of recitation of the Qur'an is multiplied many, many times. We learn from a hadith that whoever recites a hundred verses, you might say, one hundred, oh my God, that's too much. Open up Juz Amma. Just open up Juz Amma. The verses are so short. Look at Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Look at Surah Al-Rahman. Verses are so short. So whoever recites one hundred verses in the night, the reward of standing in prayer for the entire night is written for him. Imagine, how many of us can do that? That we stand in prayer all night long. Standing in taraweeh is such a challenge for us. Which of us can do that? Standing in prayer all night long. But a person who recites 100 verses of the Qur'an in the night, he gets a reward of standing in prayer all night long. It doesn't have to be Laylatul Qadr. It doesn't have to be a Friday night. It doesn't have to be a Thursday night. No, any night. Another reason is that reciting the Qur'an is of great benefit in this life. It's a source of great benefit in this life. We learned that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that if anybody finds no time to do my dhikr and to do dua, meaning to beg favors of me, why? Because he is busy with the Qur'an. So for example, you've decided that today you're going to read half of a juz. Every time you finish the salah, you started reciting the Qur'an because you wanted to meet your target. And you don't want to just speed it up, you want to recite properly. So every time you finish your salah, you start reciting. Now because you started reciting the Qur'an, you didn't get time to sit and make dua. You didn't get time to do extra adhkar. So if a person is busy with the Qur'an, so much so that he does not get the time to make dua, to do other dhikr, then what happens? Allah says that I shall give him more than what I give to those who ask me. Allah will give that person more compared to who? Those who ask Allah. So one is a person who makes dua, does not recite the Qur'an. Another is a person who recites the Qur'an. And he wanted to make dua, but he didn't get a chance. He didn't get the time. Who's better? The second one. Because he will be given more. The superiority of the word of Allah over all other words is like the superiority of Allah over the entire creation. This is how better the Qur'an is. The Prophet ﷺ, he advised one of the companions that you must recite the Qur'an for it is your ruh in the sky and your dhikr in the earth. If you recite the Qur'an, it will be a source of your mention in this earth. So recitation of the Qur'an is a source of great benefit even in this life. 
And we learned that reciting the Qur'an is something that is worth envy. Meaning if a person recites the Qur'an, other people must be jealous of him. They should be. If they do, they're actually rewarded for that envy. Can you imagine being rewarded for envy? For who? The one who recites the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ said, لا حسد إلا على اثنتين. There is no envy except in the case of two people. رَجْلٌ أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْكِتَابِ The person to whom Allah has given the book, and he received it, right? So how did he receive it? وَقَامَ بِهِ And he stood in prayer with it, أَنَا اللَّيْلِ In the hours of the night. In other words, he stood in prayer and recited the Qur'an. Such a person you should be jealous of. If you're jealous of him, you will actually get reward for that. And the other is وَرَجْلٌ أَعْطَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا فَهُوَ يَتَصَدَّقُ بِهِ أَنَاءَ اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ And the person to whom Allah has given wealth and He gives it in charity in the hours of the night and the day. Recitation of the Qur'an is a source of protection. It is a means of protection in the grave. If you're sleeping, can you prevent ants and spiders from coming over you? Can you? It's quite possible that if a spider comes over you, it bites you. You wake up from that pain and you push it away. But tell me, when you're lying down in your grave, can you save yourself? Can you protect yourself? Can you move your arm? Can you scream at someone? Can you do anything to protect yourself physically? You can't. So you need something else to protect you. And for that, you have to prepare now. A person who recites the Qur'an, he will be saved from the punishment in the grave. We learn from a hadith that a person, he will be in the grave, and فَإِذَا أُتِيَ مِنْ قِبَلِ رَأْسِهِ when the punishment comes to him from his head. The punishment comes towards his head. دَفَعْتُهُ تِلَاوَةُ Quran. Then his recitation of the Qur'an is going to push that punishment away. It's going to avert it. And when the punishment comes to it from before him, from in front of him, from above him, then his giving charity is going to avert that punishment. And when it comes to him from his feet, then his walking towards the masjid is going to protect him from that punishment. So just imagine, recitation of the Qur'an is a means of what? Protection against the punishment of the grave. And we all need that. Because none of us can guarantee that we will be perfectly fine and safe in our graves. We know that there were people at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, who had seen him, who had been with him, who had worshipped alongside him. When one of them was buried, the Prophet ﷺ passed by and said, this one is being punished for what? for his not being careful when he urinated. That the sprinkles of urine would splash on him and he didn't care about that. He didn't care about his tahara. And so he's being punished in the grave because of that. How many of us can guarantee we'll be safe in the grave? We need to prepare for it. And the means of preparing it are what? What's the way? Reciting the Qur'an. So recite. Another reason why we must recite the Qur'an because it's a source of great honor on the Day of Judgment. Listen to this hadith. On the day of judgment, the Qur'an will appear in the form of a lean human being, a very weak person, and will say, do you recognize me? The person will say, no, I do not recognize you. The Qur'an will say, I am your companion. The Qur'an who kept you thirsty in the scorching heat and who kept you awake in the night. Every trader, every businessman expects to be benefited from his articles of trade. Any businessman who invests something, what does he expect in return? Some profit, some gain. And today, you are under the shade of your all kinds of articles of trade. Meaning, today you will reap the benefits of what you invested in your life. Then he will be given kingship in his right hand. 
And permission for entry into paradise in his left hand. Permission to enter paradise and in paradise, kingship. Imagine a person has a lot of authority, a lot of land, many servants, a lot of power. He will be given that in paradise. He will be made to wear the crown of respect and dignity. So every person who will see him on the day of judgment will say, how honorable, how dignified that person is. And not only him, but his parents will be made to wear two silky robes. And the worldly people did not attach any importance to them. So the people will ask, why have they been made to wear this dress? So they will be told, those two parents, they will be told that your child obtained knowledge of the Qur'an. And then the child will be asked to start reciting the Qur'an. And for every verse read by him, the status of the parents will be raised to the next higher grade of paradise till the recitation of the Qur'an is complete. So imagine, a person will be honored on the Day of Judgment because of his recitation of the Qur'an. If we don't recite, how can we get that honor? How can we bring it upon ourselves on that day? We cannot. We have to deserve it. Because Allah is the giver. And Allah will only give if we show ourselves as worthy. We also learn that a person who is well versed in the Qur'an, meaning who recites the Qur'an very well, you might say, I'm not one of those. But how do you become well versed in the Qur'an? When you recite and recite and recite and recite, and you don't stop reciting. Just as when it comes to reading English, how do you become proficient in your English reading? How? When you read and read and read, then you pick up the speed, then the words become easier for you. So the one who is well versed in the Qur'an will be in the company of those angels who are the scribes. Those angels who write, the noble and righteous angels. He will be with them on the Day of Judgment. Not any angels, the honorable angels. And the person who falters in reading the Qur'an, meaning he finds it difficult, but he still tries, and he has to exert hard for learning, that person will get double reward. Why? Because he did not give up. He kept trying, he kept reading again and again and again. He did not give up, so he will get double reward. Another hadith tells us that whoever reads the Qur'an and learns it by heart and regards what it makes lawful as lawful and it's unlawful as forbidden will be admitted into paradise by Allah who will also accept his intercession in respect of 10 people of his family who will be doomed to hellfire. So imagine a person will be allowed to do shafa'ah, to intercede for others. Who will be allowed to do shafa'ah on the Day of Judgment? The prophets, the angels. Those who are very righteous, and imagine a person who reads, memorizes, follows the Qur'an, will also be given the permission to intercede for others. What a great honor. Then this is also a means of ihsan bil walidain. You might say, how? I'm reading the Qur'an. How am I being good to my parents in this way? Because when you read the Qur'an, you're not the only one who's going to benefit. Your parents are going to benefit. Whoever reads the Qur'an and acts upon what is contained in it, his parents will be made to wear a crown on the Day of Judgment, and the brightness of which will excel that of the sun. Imagine how bright the sun is. Imagine a crown as bright as that on the head of someone. Imagine. Who will they be? The parents of the one who recites the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ said, So what do you think about the person who himself acts on it. If the parents are so honored, then what about the person himself? Another reason why we must recite the Qur'an is because the Qur'an is going to intercede for us if we recite it on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ said, read the Qur'an. For indeed it will come on the Day of Judgment as an intercessor for its companions. Who are the companions of the Qur'an? Those who read it. Those who keep the Qur'an with themselves. And why would you keep the Qur'an with yourself? Because you want to read it. 
How are you a companion of someone? When you're with them in the morning, when you're with them during the day, when you're with them at night, when you're with them everywhere. So a person who is with the Qur'an, the Qur'an will intercede for him on the Day of Judgment. The Prophet ﷺ said that there is a surah of the Qur'an containing 30 verses. And this surah which will intercede for a person on the Day of Judgment until he is forgiven. Which is that surah? Suratul Mulk. The Prophet ﷺ, he encouraged us to recite it before we sleep at night. So a person who recites it, then that surah will intercede for him until that person is forgiven. Another reason is because the Qur'an is a guide to paradise. For who? For those who recite it. A guide to paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said the Qur'an is an intercessor. Something given permission to intercede. And it is rightfully believed in. Whoever puts it in front of him, it will lead him to paradise. When can you put the Qur'an in front of you? When you just stare at it? Just put it in front of you and look at it? All day and do nothing? Putting in front of you means what? Opening it and reciting it. So whoever puts the Qur'an in front of him, the Qur'an is going to take him to paradise. It's going to lead him to Jannah. It's not going to leave him until he gets to paradise. And a person who puts it behind his back, it will steer him to the hellfire. A person who ignores it will be held accountable. Another reason why we must recite the Qur'an more and more because we might think, yeah, yeah, I recite. I recite enough. But why recite more and even more and never stop reciting? Because it is a means of gaining heights in paradise. We learn from a hadith that it will be said to the companion of the Qur'an, اقرأ وارتقي Read and ascend. Read and elevate. Keep reading and keep going up. Keep reading and keep going up. Go up, up, up. And beautify your voice as you did when you were in the worldly life. Meaning beautify your voice in reciting the Qur'an as you beautified your voice when you recited the Qur'an in your life. For verily your position in paradise will be at the last verse that you recite. How can we recite the Qur'an a lot at that time? When we are used to reciting the Qur'an a lot today. When we have memorized the Qur'an. When we do recite it. When we are in the habit of reciting it. Only then we'll be able to recite it then. And the more a person recites, the higher his level will be in paradise. And for those who don't recite the book of Allah, are they missing out on something? A person who does not recite the Qur'an, is he missing out on something? What is he missing out on? That a person is missing out on a lot of safety, security, well-being in this life, in the grave, and in the hereafter. If a person does not recite the Qur'an, he is left on his own. A person who does not attach himself with the book of Allah, he is left on his own. In this life, sad and depressed, unhappy, in the grave, vulnerable, on the day of judgment, alone. Your treatment with the book of Allah is going to be the treatment of the book of Allah with you. You spend time with it, it will not abandon you in the grave. You spend time with it, it will not leave you on the day of judgment. You give importance to it, it will not leave you on the day of judgment. And you don't want to be alone on that day. The day when father and son will be running away from one another. The mother and daughter will be running away from one another. Husband and wife will be running away from one another. Nobody is going to come to you on the day of judgment. We have learned earlier that وَاتَّقُوا يَوْمًا لَا تَجْزِي نَفْسٌ عَنْ نَفْسٌ شَيْئًا No person is going to help another on that day. وَلَهُمْ يُنْصَرُونَ So many times we have read that. They will not be helped. Every person will be alone. And if you want to have somebody with you, you better read the Qur'an today. 
Why else is it necessary? If we don't read the Qur'an, if we don't recite the Qur'an, what are we missing out on? That unless and until a person recites, believes, gives the haqq of the Qur'an, he will not have high levels in paradise. As for those who don't read the Qur'an, those who don't recite the Book of Allah, there's a severe warning for them. We learn that on the Day of Judgment, the Prophet ﷺ will complain. Against who? Against those who had abandoned the Qur'an. Those who did not pick it up. Those who did not read it. Those who did not reflect on it. Those who did not recite it in their prayer. Those who did not bother to learn how to read the Book of Allah when they learned so many other things. If we can learn so many things in this world, why is it impossible for us to learn the Book of Allah? It's not impossible. I always look at so many scholars who are so learned in our religion and there was a time when they were not even Muslim. You know that? So many people today, you will find them so well versed in the Qur'an and Sunnah and there was a time when they did not even know what the Qur'an was. How did they get there that they know the Qur'an by memory? They recite the Qur'an easily. How did they get there? By doing nothing? A miracle happened one day? That all of a sudden the Qur'an came into their memory and they were able to read? No, you have to put in effort. You have to read. You have to give priority to it. You have to dedicate time and effort to it. So a person who abandons the Qur'an, who does not give importance to it, the Prophet ﷺ will complain, وَقَالَ الرَّسُولُ يَا رَبِّ إِنَّ قَوْمِ اتَّخَذُوا هَذَا الْقُرْآنَ مَحْجُورًا That, O oh Allah, O oh my Lord, these people of mine, they abandoned the Book of Allah. They abandoned the Qur'an. فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ And imagine if the Prophet ﷺ complains against someone. Imagine if the Prophet ﷺ complains to Allah against us. What can we do? Can we do anything? Can we say anything to defend ourselves? We cannot. So we must recite the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ also said, the Qur'an is a proof for you or against you. If we read it, it will be a proof for us. If we abandon it, it will be proof against us. The Prophet ﷺ also said, that مَن لَمْ يَتَغَنَّ بِالْقُرْآنِ فَلَيْسَ مِنَّا the person who does not recite the Qur'an in a clear and distinct manner is not of us. He's not one of us. A person who does not recite the Qur'an, does not bother to improve his recitation, then he's not of us. فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ The Prophet ﷺ also said that learn the Qur'an and recite it. Because the example of the one who learns the Qur'an, he reads it and recites it in tahajjud is like an open bag full of musk. A bag that is full of perfume and that bag is also open. So what's going to happen? The fragrance is going to spread over the entire place. And the person who has learned the Qur'an but sleeps while the Qur'an is in his heart is like a bag full of musk but with the mouth closed. Mouth is closed. So what's going to happen to all the fragrance? It's going to stay inside. It's not going to come out. So if we don't recite the Qur'an, we're not going to be able to memorize it. If we don't do it, we're going to miss out on a lot. A lot of reward, a lot of honor, a lot of safety, protection, well-being in this world, as well as the hereafter. الذين آتيناهم الكتاب يتلونه حق تلاوته أولئك
أُولَئِكَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِهِ وَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِهِ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ So if we want to be of those people who truly believe in the Qur'an, then what should we do? We have to do the tilawa of the book of Allah. How? حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ حَقَّ تِلَاوَتِهِ And the first step is tilawatul lafz. If we don't do tilawatul lafz, then how can we perfect tilawatul ma'na? And how can we perfect tilawatul hukum? That's the first step. And that's the way to success. That's the way of increasing our iman. And if we don't, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ One group is of those people who gain, and one is of those people who lose. Where do we want to be? Which group do we want to belong to?